We want to welcome you this morning to our Lord's Supper candlelight Christmas service. We invite you to stand with us as we sing. Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered to his own town. 
And Joseph also went up to Galilee, from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. sing this together. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here. Until the Son of God
rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Come thou King, and O come thou King of nations, bring and into all our suffering. And bid every pain and sorrow cease, and reign now as our Prince of Peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Rejoice, 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 Emmanuel. Shall come to thee, O Israel. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Do come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come, ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold, come and Behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Sing choirs of angels. Sing choirs of angels. Sing in exultation. Oh, sing 
that again we'll praise your name forever and worship him and we'll praise your name forever we'll praise your name forever we'll praise your name forever Christ the
says this in Luke 2:15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for Christmas, Father, where we celebrate that gift of that baby in a manger. Father, giving us hope through his life, his death, his resurrection, Father. We give you praise. We thank you for that gift. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. What a great way to, to worship this morning. The, our Savior is born. Uh, as you came in, I hope that you saw the Lord's Supper elements in the, on the tables. Uh, if you did not get the elements on your way in, would you go ahead and stand up now and go get them? Uh, that way you can have them and be ready for uh, at the end of the service. We'll move right into the Lord's Supper without uh, taking a break. So go ahead and be brave and stand up now. Get the Lord's Supper elements at the tables at the end of the aisles. Uh, and then you will have everything you need. Uh, and underneath your chair, you, you can uh, just, just be aware that there is a candle under your chair. And uh, we will use that in, at the end of the service. When you're done, you can just place it back under the, the chair for those in the second service. Um, this week in community group, our uh, fearless... Uh, well, he's actually not the leader. I'm the leader. But he, uh, Luke Pearson, uh, yeah, there he is right there. We'll look at Luke. Yeah. So he did a quiz this week in our community group that um, revealed how much ignorance we all have about the Lord's, uh, about Christmas. That we have so much tradition, so much built into our Christmas traditions that actually is not in uh, the Bible. I'm not going to tell you the score I made on the quiz because I will have no leverage to speak this morning um, on the topic. But it was funny, you know, how many animals, 
who actually visited at the, at the manger scene. It was so bad that at the end, Moise Allen just said, I'm going to throw my, my nativity scene away right now because it's all wrong. But uh, as we uh, think about that today, I'm gonna, we're going to look at the Lord's Supper, I mean, at the uh, Christmas story, and we're going to pull three truths out of the Christmas story. We're going to, to study Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And in these verses, the Christmas story, we're going to pull three truths from the, the Christmas story that I hope this week you'll take some time, carve out some time in your Christmas tradition, read Luke 2, and these three points, these three truths from our message today will give you great discussion points to talk with your family about the, the true Christmas story and make sure that they grow up with the true Christmas truths of the story of Christmas. Father, I ask for your help this morning. I pray that you would enable us uh, to rejoice in you and to glorify you this Christmas season as we see that is what's going on in this, this passage of Luke chapter 2. Lord, teach us, give us a genuine time of rejoicing in you. Father, it's by your spirit that these become a reality in our heart. So help us this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so today we're going to look at three Christmas truths. The first truth is this. Write this down, if you will. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. That's a very important point to remember uh, in life. And it's a great time to remember it at Christmas because this first scene is all about God keeping his promises. Look at verses 1 through 7. We've already had it read, but let me just quickly read through it again so we remember what we're studying. In verse 1 it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus <clears throat> excuse me, that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration since Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph went up from Galilee the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David. Look at all these different names. Of, he could have just easily said he went to Bethlehem. But all these names have significance, which was called Bethlehem. Why? Well, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, his fiancée, who was with child, a virgin with child, as we saw in the previous verses. And while they were there, time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the guest room. So I want you to notice Luke's focus here. If you've ever been a part of the birth of a child, you had a video camera, depending on how old you were, it was this big and you carried it on your shoulder and you had this big shoulder strap and this big old thing that held the VHS tape in it and then they got down to smaller. But if you videoed it, what were you videoing when it was time to have the baby? You weren't walking around videoing what was going on in town in Shreveport. And that's what I want you to notice Luke is doing here. Look at Luke's focus. It's time to have the baby. And he's telling us the story, the greatest story of all times, the greatest birth of the greatest child of the history of humanity. And he's not talking about that. He's talking about a census. The birth barely even gets a mention. But in verse 1, he mentions the census. In verse 2, he mentions the census. In verse 3, he mentions the census. In verse 5, he mentions the census. What can we learn 
from the census. What is Luke so focused on this census for? It's because in the census, if we think about the census, we see God is keeping his promises. God is keeping his promises. Let's see if we can unfold this. What promises? Well, from the beginning of the Bible, God has been promising to send a savior. He has initially promised to send a serpent slayer. This is as early as Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible. God is making it clear there will be a child born of a woman who will be the serpent slayer, who will slay Satan and defeat sin. The, the story unfolds in your Bible from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and it starts to build this profile of this promised one who is known as the Messiah in Hebrew. Greek, it's known as the Christ. Those are the same, those mean the same thing. The anointed one, the one God has chosen and promised. In, Abra, in Genesis, we see he will be the child from the lineage of Abraham and then that promise is renewed to Isaac his son and to Jacob his son and as the story unfolds we see it's renewed in this massive covenant with King David that David will have a son he will have an eternal kingdom and we see we long for the arrival of this promised one and then the prophets I'll choose one very Christmas promise in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. God renewed the promise again, and the prophet spoke of this child from the lineage of David who will be given. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon this child's shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Listen to these cosmic titles wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore Notice this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord, the commitment, the passion, the conviction of God Almighty himself will accomplish this. I believe that's what Luke's point is in the way he tells the Christmas story. As he focuses in on the census, he is focusing in on the sovereignty of God who is keeping his promises in the midst of this historical context where a census has been declared. And notice all the things that is said in the census is of all about the emperor's sovereignty. And Luke is saying, yeah, but there's another promise that's being kept by the sovereign God working in and through this local human sovereign who thinks he's the he's the ultimate ruler but God is using his decrees to accomplish his promises more specifically in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 this is promised by God but you O Bethlehem you are too little to be among the clans of Judah, but from you, from you, Bethlehem, shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. So Micah prophesied that the, this long-awaited Messiah will come from this little unknown town of Bethlehem. 
And in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 31, the Lord renewed the promise again to a virgin named Mary, saying, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him what throne? The throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Israel, Jacob, forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. All the promises that have been impacted, that have been stacked up. All of history, all of humanity have been waiting for the arrival of this promised child. This Christ, this Messiah, this eternal king of God's eternal kingdom when will he break through the darkness when will he come and we see God it's finally time and Luke records and Luke says it happened during the census during the census during the census during the census that day finally happened oh that child was born and that's the way he tells the story the census was a constant reminder that the emperor was this was a power move the emperor was saying I control you people you will all come back to your hometowns and you will list all your assets and all your family members and their ages and that way I can have the taxes and the, and the military people can serve. When I tell them to serve, I'm going to keep my thumb on you and you will once again swear your allegiance to me as your emperor. That's what the census was all about. It was about the human emperor, the Caesar, Augustus, saying, I am sovereign over your life. I am the oppressor. It's a reminder of the oppressing kingdom on God's people. And so Luke says it was during that time, more specifically when this guy was governor and everyone was forced to go back to their hometowns and swear their allegiance once again to this emperor. When all that was going on, very briefly, Luke states in verse 7, she gave birth. Don't you know Mary was mad when she turned that video on later and was like, you missed the whole thing. You're talking about the governor the whole time. Quit talking about politics. We just had a baby. Jesus was placed in a manger, a very humble scene. The way God goes about this is just a whole nother, the humility that God the sovereign took on flesh and entered into our humble suffering he emptied himself of all his glory chose to be born among animals in a food trough as a bed wrapped in rough cloth like burlap instead of being placed in a golden bed wrapped in purple silk or linen was wrapped in rough cloth placed in a food trough among stinking animals. This is what God chose to do for us. This is what God chose to do for you. God, the Christmas story is God is keeping his promises. Do you see the love of God in the Christmas story? Do you see the sovereign of God that though there are rulers of this age and there are politics and there are people that want to put their hand and thumb on you and there are life circumstances that that are trying to squeeze the hope and the joy out of you and make you feel hopeless but you need to turn this Christmas season your children's eyes your eyes 
to see the sovereign God of the universe orchestrating his perfect will in the midst of all the chaos. God is keeping his promises. And he did it in such a sacrificial, self-sacrificial way that he would sacrifice all, empty himself of all the glories of the heavenly places to enter into our nasty world. Why? To give us hope and joy and peace and forgiveness and life everlasting. That's what the Christmas message should remind us of, that God is keeping his promises. Notice next, God spreads his glory. Look at verses 8 through 14. These are like the birth announcements are being sent out. But notice the acting agent. It is the sovereign God who orchestrated all of this to keep his promises. Now it is God who spreads his glory. God is spreading his glory. He doesn't go to the emperors, though. He doesn't go to Caesar Augustus and say the king is born. He goes to the lowliest of the lowliest of the class of society. He goes out to the shepherds, and he spreads his glory, his own glory. Look at verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And look who came to them. The angel of who? The angel of the Lord appeared to them. And what did he say, or what was he doing? And the glory of the Lord shone around them. The angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear as they encountered this scene. And the angel said to them, fear not. Behold, I bring you the gospel. I bring you the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel. I bring you the good news of great joy That will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, noted very carefully in the city of David, that special place that the Messiah was to be born, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. All those words are just packed with the Old Testament significance of this long-awaited Messiah who is the lineage of David, who is the Savior of the world, who is the Master, the Lord, the Sovereign One. He is the Christ, the Anointed One. He is born this day. And God Himself has orchestrated to bring this about. And God is spreading His own glory through His Gospel. And he says to the shepherds, and this will be a sign for you. How will you know this is true? You will find the baby wrapped in rough cloths in an animal's feeding trough. That's how you're going to know that what I'm saying is true. He won't be in a golden crib wrapped in purple royalty, but in a feed trough wrapped in rough cloth among the filth of a stable. And when you see that, my word, exactly as I said, being fulfilled, then you will behold the glory of God. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So in these verses, Luke shows us that God is spreading his own glory. 
God is keeping his promises. God is on mission to spread his glory all over the earth. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. The glory of the Lord shone around them. The angel announces the birth of Jesus not to emperors, but to the lowest of society, to the shepherds. In verse 10 it says, God, I bring you good news, the gospel of great joy to all the peoples. God is on mission to take his glory to the ends of the earth, all over this earth. How incredibly kind, how incredibly gracious, how incredibly merciful is our God to work against all that is stacked up against him, to empty himself of his glory, to make sure that his glory is spread all throughout the earth. Notice it is for all those with whom he is pleased. And we only can know the Lord is pleased by Christ. He is pleased with us when we are hidden in Christ when he sees Christ and his righteousness, when Christ reconciles us to God and he assuages, he absorbs the wrath that we rightly deserve because of our sin and rebellion against that God, that when we put our hope and trust and faith in Christ, we are pleasing to God. We are reconciled to God. And so the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being heralded by God being extended to all the ends of the earth, to those who are hidden by faith in Christ. What a gracious, glorious God he is. So God is keeps, God keeps his promises, God spreads his glory. Those are two truths to tell your children this Christmas, to remind yourself this Christmas. Finally, God calls us to join him. That's a crazy concept that he would call us to participate in his good pleasure through Christ and then to participate in his mission of spreading his glory to the ends of the earth. I get this in verse 15. But before 15 and verse 12, God gave the shepherds a sign of he'll be wrapped in rough cloth in a manger. And then in verse 15 says how they responded. We see how the angels responded. We see how Mary responded. We see how the crowd responded. This is all about their response to the heralding of the good news. When the angels went away from them into heaven... The angels went up into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, well, let's go. <laughs> I like it. Well, let's go. I mean, they have seen the scene. They have been told you're going to see a baby. This crazy description of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You're going to go see him. Okay, where? At the palace? No, in this stinking manger wrapped in swaddled cloths, this nasty scene. And then you're going to know. The angels leave and they say, well, let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has revealed to us, made known to us in his grace and his sovereign mercy. He's revealed, he opened, he announced to us this glorious good news. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Just like God promised. And when they saw it, they made known the saying. They shared the gospel with them. They made known the good news 
that had been heralded to them by the Lord himself, that had been told to them concerning this child from verse 11, that we know what that message was, that a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Imagine your hospital visitors telling you that about your child. The Savior, Christ the Lord. And all who heard it, how did they respond? They were filled with wonder. Notice all the Christmas elements. Peace, joy, and wonder. And Mary treasured, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And then look what the shepherds did. The shepherds returned and what they do as they were returning, as they were going, they were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So let's consider the various responses we see in these verses. Shepherds, they go in haste to see the Christ. They see that God's word is absolutely true. The sign that he gave them is absolutely fulfilled. They make known to all those around them all that the Lord had told them, the good news about Christ being the Savior, Jesus being the Savior, this is a model response for us. Then all who heard the good news of the shepherds were filled with wonder. And then Mary, what did she do? She pondered the word of God about this child. She pondered those words in her heart. And she treasured them. And the shepherds went home glorifying God and praising God for what they had seen. God is inviting you to join him today. Through this message, through our study of Luke, he has revealed many things about Christ. You have seen and heard so much. And today, as we come to the Lord's Supper, I pray that we will respond like Mary, that we will ponder these truths in our heart, and that we will treasure them, that the Spirit of God will give us wonder, and we will glory in the truths of the meaning of the birth of Jesus. It's a special ordinance that, that where the Lord said, do this and remember me. And so to this Christmas season, as we take the Lord's Supper, treasure in your heart the truths of the birth of Christ. That God is sovereignly keeping his promises. God is spreading his own glory. And God is inviting you to behold the glory of Almighty God in the person of Jesus Christ. And then to leave this place rejoicing and spreading his glorious light. The Lord's Supper is reserved for anyone but only for those who treasure Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you, if you came here today and you haven't trusted Christ and you're not trusting in Christ as your Savior, do so now. Let this be an object lesson that the, the juice and the bread that we will take is symbolic of that it is the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus only that makes us right with God. It is through Jesus that we are the pleasure of God, that he is pleased with us through Christ. We'll enter into a time of just pondering the significance of the cross and treasuring the, the blessing that Jesus' body and blood is for us. But wait 
and we will take it together in unison, signifying that we are one united in Christ. So I invite you now to, to just open the, the Lord's Supper elements. Just be careful. Just lift the lid, and there are both elements are underneath the lid. You can just peel off that lid if you can. There's a little top layer that reveals the wafer and then a second layer that reveals the juice. Go ahead and reveal them both. And then when you're done, just enter into a time of silent, personal prayer with the Lord. Just do like Mary and be filled with wonder and just spend some time in this crazy holiday season and just enjoy the silence for a minute. But not just silence for silence sake, but ponder the words of the gospel. The good news that you are made pleasing to the Lord by faith in Christ. And withhold the juice, wait for it, we'll take it all together in a moment. We'll eat the bread and drink the juice together, but just spend time praying to the Lord to fill your heart with wonder and joy and that you'll treasure that Jesus gave his blood for you and Jesus gave his body to make you right with God. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts this morning as we sit quietly and think about what you have done for us through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Lord God, open eyes all over the room to behold the glory of God, to see Jesus as the Savior of the world. This baby grew into a sinless man. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He called his disciples as we've been seeing in Luke. And we'll see before he went to the cross to give his life to sacrifice for our sin. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul records that the Lord Jesus, on the very night when he was betrayed, he took the loaf of bread from the table when they were eating their last supper together. And when he had given thanks, he broke that one loaf of bread and he put it into many pieces for all of them to share in. And he held up the bread and he said, this is my body. It symbolizes my body that is for you. And he told them, do this in remembrance of me. And together they ate the bread. And in the same way, he also, he took a cup <clears throat> and he poured everyone some from that one cup. He said, this cup, this is the new covenant in my blood, that his blood was being shed to provide a new covenant, one that makes God pleased with us because we're trusting in the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. He said, do this as often as you drink this, in remembrance of me, and together they drank.
Lord, you instructed us as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup. Lord, we are thousands of years removed, but today we still drink this bread and eat this bread and drink this cup. We're proclaiming your death is what makes us right with you, that you are pleased with us when we are trusting in Christ alone. Lord, we treasure that truth, that gospel. You sent your son to save us, and it's in him that we rejoice. And now, Lord, as we take our candles from under our chairs, Lord, we light symbolically from one candle, symbolizing your light, the gospel light of Jesus Christ. And we share this light and spread it throughout this room, symbolizing that we will return to our homes glorifying you and praising you as our Savior. So I ask you to just pass this light around, symbolizing passing the gospel to your neighbors, to your friends, to your family as you as you go. So just go wherever you have the light and take it to a friend in this room and spread the light. Symbolizing spreading the gospel. Hark the herald angels sing glory to
and send us out with this passage of scripture just as the shepherds did it says this and the shepherds returned as we go home they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them and we want to return to our families to our jobs and we want to glorify and praise God with how we live with the choices we make with how we respond to people that they would know that we are different because of Christ. We wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And you can blow your candle out. And one other instruction with the candles. As you exit, there's actually a plastic bin right next to the door. Um, at each door, if you'll put your, your used candles in that bin, that will help us in the transition between these two services. Merry Christmas. See you next week. Oh, one other announcement, I'm sorry. Uh, tonight, if you notice, there's a stage set up out in the front parking lot. There will be an outdoor Christmas concert um, happening tonight with hot chocolate and bring your lawn chairs and, and uh, hang out with us tonight from 6 to 8. It'll be a great time just to have fun during Christmas. See you tonight. Bye-bye.